Welcome to the What's In My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and thanks for checking out the audio format of our show. If you want to watch these episodes, check us out on YouTube. Just type in youtube.com slash what's in my head podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I bring you a piece of your childhood each and every week. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button here as well as on YouTube. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms. That's where I'll ask you, the fans, to drop a question or two for our upcoming guests. You can find us on social media by searching at In My Head Pod. If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. No problem. Fire away. My guest today is the man of 1,001 voices. Yes, that's a shot at Mel Blanc, but the reason so many of us had a great childhood, he's a legend, an icon, and a national treasure. He is Mr. Rob Paulson. Rob, how are you? Well... I am breathing and not in jail, Julian, but the day's not over yet. So far, so good, buddy. Hey, man, so everything's coming up Millhouse to an extent, right? That's right. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, uh, a little side story. I just wanted to tell you this before we get into, you know, the questions or the talk, whatever you want to call it when this releases on this podcast. You know, so my kid, I got a 10-year-old son, um, and he's really into karate right now, and a lot of that has to do with my affection for the Ninja Turtles, and he... Oh. Great. We we really started to buy. I was a Navy guy um, for about seven years, and I uh, I got out, and it was very hard assimilating back to civilian lifehood, and then you know trying to find common ground with my son, and I tried it. I tried you know with the turtles that I grew up with. You know, mine sadly wasn't that '87 series. It was that '90s, that first '90s movie. But when that door was opened, it was nothing but turtles. You know, from there on in. So he asked me today, he's like, who are you talking to today? And I said, oh, I'm talking to Rob Paulson. He's like, who's that? So I named off the voice and Donnie instantly, instantly clicked with him. But he got a huge pop when I told him you were the voice of Carl Weezer. And he hit me with that. Are you going to finish that croissant line? And I almost died laughing. I'll tell you what, firstly, thank you. Your, your son obviously has excellent taste. He does. In cartoon characters. Um, Thank you. That is such a, a humbling comment and compliment. Um, uh, I, there's something about Carl that people really love. I don't know what it is, but look what happens to you, Julian. It's just kind of freaky when I ask people if they want to finish that croissant. Um, I, um, it is what you are doing right now and, and what you're able to share with your beautiful boy is the best part of my gig. I've gotten to a place now where I'm, uh, you know, I've been in LA for 40 years doing, um, I came out here ostensibly to do live action and music, and I was, and, and then the opportunity presented itself to do animation, and boy, am I glad that I, uh, I took that turn. Because um, when it happened, all I want to do was keep working and being creative. But it didn't take me long uh, to realize what a great gig it was and boy, was I right. Down the road, here we are, all these years later, and the, the connections with Ninja Turtles, Carl, Pinky, Yakko, um, Rick and Morty, uh, you know, the Tit, the, the Mask, Darkwing Duck, all these shows I've worked on are multi-generational. And the, the, exactly what you talk about, sharing it with your boy, that is, I don't even know how to put into words what that means to me, not only as a performer, because it obviously means that people are paying attention and they enjoy, they enjoy the work. And man, I don't draw them and I don't write them. 
but when it works, it is nothing short of magical, and it is transcendent. It lasts forever, and it crosses generations, and you and your boy are the proof in the pudding. So, man, you've totally made my day. Thank uh, you. I mean, it, it's the least I could attempt to do. I mean, like I said, I turned 31 this past August, so it's been nothing... Uh, you know, I've, I've said it numerous times on this podcast, you know, there's a few things that I'm not just super passionate about, but I can talk and just wax poetically about, you know, food being one, I'm a chef, Yay. you know, the second thing is cartoons and movies, and the third thing was always comic books, you know, and Excellent. you have hit, and I'm going to hit you with some deep cuts on some of these names, because when I was sitting here looking at Great. all of your, all of just all of your, your, your body of work, one, one or two really stuck out and you know growing up that 90s era of that cartoons was really late 80s early 90s in my opinion was that golden age of cartoons what i think oh, from, yeah. for me it just it, it it sparked something i don't know what it was i don't know if it was just me just trying to veg out as a kid or whatever it is you know but you had you had me hooked when i found out it was rob paulson as uh Raphael, rob paulson as pinky you played pj in the goofy movie you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know you I have. I love him too. He's kind of a he's a big old guy, but he sure loves his friend Max. What is Thanksgiving like with you? That's what I want to know. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you can imagine once I get once Yakko gets a couple of pops in, it's pretty fun. Um, look, I, I I I my son's only a bit older than you, and um, he was a turtle freak, and. Um, and as you can imagine, it was nothing short of miraculous to be able to have a, a little boy who loved Ninja Turtles. And for him, by his own account, uh, the same thing for a little boy with his old man being Raphael. Um, and I, I think I'm pretty docile at home. I probably used to be a little more of a, of a, uh, a table jumper on a lampshade guy. <laughs> but um, I, I've calmed down a lot, and that is due in large part to the fact that my wife is... Um, very good at, at saying, look, you know, lovingly, kindly saying, okay, it's time to rope it in, you know, um, because I, uh, my gig requires uh, my ability to access uh, my uh, creativity kind of at the drop of a hat. And sometimes it's difficult for people who are a little bit nutty and, and then they get paid for it. And boy, once you start pouring gas on that fire, sometimes it's hard to, to rope those folks in. Um, so I have fortunately found a way to, um, with my wife's help and my son's help, to um, be wacky when needed to be and always be in a good humor, but, you know, be able to be an adult. So, yeah, uh, the holidays used to be pretty nutty when my kid was little and great fun when he would have friends over. Um you know, going through the drive-through and asking for thirty-seven Big Macs as Yakko Warner when they had um, Animaniacs Happy Meals, or calling the Domino's Pizza guy to order pizzas as Raphael, and, <laughs> and um, the, the, they would start to come over and visit, whether I ordered a pizza or not, because they just wanted to bring their friends and say, "Dude, this guy's Raphael." You know, <laughs> it was just huge fun, and, and it, honestly, it never, never, never gets old. I, I. Uh, I realize, and I totally understand how fortunate I am, Julian. And um, I, I just love the fact that I'm blessed with this incredible gig, and all I have to do is say, <laughs> and you do that. 
it's just it's it's wonderful. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a I'm a lucky guy. No, I mean you're you you say you're an, you're a lucky guy, but us fans are equally as lucky, if not more. You know, like I said, you've you've Thank had you so know. many of these voices. You know, Major Glory from Dexter's Lab. You had Pinky oh, from yeah. Pinky in the Brain. You had Hard Drive, and this is this is a cartoon that I think does not get the love and attention it needs. And you you actually d- did some voices with you know old Barry Gordon with SWAT Cats. Um, SWAT Cats, yeah. Yeah, that was one of those cartoons that me and like some I got a younger brother. He's two or three years uh, younger than me, and uh, it was. Do you have a Do you have a brother? I do. I have a brother who is two years younger than I. Okay, so you have that sibling rivalry, you know, growing up, especially uh-huh. being a guy, you know, all that testosterone flowing and all that other stuff. Sure. But there was one thing that we always sat down to um, back in those early to mid-90s, when they, even when they were doing those reruns and when they tried the relaunch, but, but SWAT Cats was one of them. And we never, ever, ever missed you as Brunch and the Reluctant Werewolf or Shrieko and Scooby-Doo. Oh, my God, the, yeah. yeah. Uh, so oh, and Scooby Doo, yeah. What was it like working with the cat? Did you did you get to sit down, or have you got to sit down with Frank Welker and everybody like that, or Don Messick? Oh and... yeah, I, Frank is one of my. He lives literally ah, three miles from me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known Frank for 40, 37 years, I guess. Um, yeah, Frank is one of my dearest friends, and and as you know, and your audience, just a profoundly gifted guy. Oh yeah. Um. And yeah, as a matter of fact, by and large, the way the cartoons that you um, just mentioned, uh, the way in which they were virtually all recorded was the actors were all together. And it was nothing short of wonderful every single time. And if you're lucky enough to do a show like Turtles, you do a couple hundred of them. And over a span of, I don't know, eight years, and you, you work with people whom you would choose to be your personal friends. Mm-hmm. And they become your personal friends um you know i don't even know how many times i've been to frank's house and vice versa and it's the same thing with mark hamill with kevin conroy with maurice lamarche and tress mcneil these are all people who would show up at my kid's birthday party you yeah. know and um you you're together with marriages and divorces and bar mitzvahs and christenings and and deaths and i mean it, it really is i i, I work with people who are my very best friends in the world? Um, it just so happens that they're Billy West and Nancy Cartwright, and and you know you you kind of go down the line and think, holy smoke, I I could take ten of the people on my phone and they'd be responsible for fifteen or twenty uh, world class, culturally iconic characters. Oh yeah, and responsible for literally joy to hundreds of millions of people around the world. Um, and it's not lost on me, Julian. I, I, uh, I take um, the fact that they're here in Hollywood for granted because it's where we live, but I never take their friendships and their uh, incredible talent for granted because I, I can work with, I just talked to Billy West the other day for the first time in a few months and ran the phone for an hour. I left, I got off the phone just, uh, utterly um, enervated, uh, just excited. I thought, oh my God, I've heard this guy, I've worked with this guy a couple hundred times and he starts riffing at Zoidberg and it just, I go, oh my God, this guy's just from another planet and he's better at 70 than he was at 50. I mean, it's just <laughs> mind-blowing. Same with Mark Hamill, you know, Mark, just 
we all know about saving the universe with Luke Skywalker, but he was a joker for 20 years. And for my son, who's a Batman nut, his Batman is Kevin Conroy and his joker is Mark Hamill, period, end of story. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, it, it's, uh, it never gets old and we always prefer to work together because it makes everybody better. A high tide raises all boats, you know? Now, it, it's funny, you said, you know, there's three voices or three people that I really wanted to, that, uh, you know, just expound upon. And Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, we'll talk about those first two. So when... How about those guys, yeah. I was younger, you know, it was always Ninja mm-hmm. Turtles and Batman. Um, there mm-hmm. was three vehicles that I wanted as a kid. The Turtle Van, the Batmobile from the animated series... And then the DeLorean at the end of the first movie from Back to the Future when he gets the, the Vegematic on there. So I don't have to sit here and try to steal plutonium, um, you know, and get shot and stuff, right? So, you know, when I read comics now, and I still go every week to get my comics, Batman is always on that list, Turtles is always on that list, and a few other titles. But those two always come to the top of my list. And when I read these comics, I hear Kevin Conroy. You know, I am Vegas, yeah. I am the Night, I am Batman. And then I hear Mark Hamill's Joker. Before that, you know, Jack Nicholson scared the living piss out of me. And this is very yeah. campy now. You go back and watch it now. It's very campy considered in today's climate and today's time. But Mark Hamill made me really fall in love with that character. You know, how who's who's ribbing who? Like, who's elbowing who? Like, hey, man, you do a voice whenever you pull through first or whenever you guys get together. Who's usually the first person out of you three that'll start dropping voices or start pulling characters out of their hat? You know, it's pretty difficult to... to ignore Kevin um, is just the um, his countenance and uh, the, the literal vibe of his voice is so uh, grand it's just wonderful and he just hey Rob, hey Rob how you doing I mean it's, I can't <laughs> possibly do it uh, but I had Kevin on my podcast when I was doing it on camera for Nerdist a couple of years ago and I had Kevin on with Paul Dini and um um Oh gosh, uh, I forgot my I'm sorry, spacing. Uh, the producer. Um, oh, it's um, Batman. Alan Burnett. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and I had Alan and Paul Dini and Kevin, and uh, it was just wonderful. We we read a scene at the end of the piece, and it's available online. You can you can uh, go to YouTube and just put Rob Paulson talking tunes. Kevin Conroy, and it'll it'll pop up. Um, and we did the scene at the end of uh, at the end of um, uh, Dark Knight, mm-hmm. where um, Commissioner Gordon, Gary Oldman, is like, you know, we lost. The Joker won. Yeah. And uh, that little wonderful speech where, you know, sometimes you think this, sometimes, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. And I'm telling you, man. I just played the, you know, Gary Oldman part just straight because it was all about Kevin. But holy shit. When, <laughs> when he started ripping, what's really wonderful, Julian, is when uh, the camera pulls away at the end of it. There's about three, four seconds of silence. And uh, Paul Dini, who created uh, Harley Quinn, and yep. was, you know, obviously one of the um, stable of Emmy-winning writers on that show, uh, when, you, when they pull back, and I'm just transfixed, and Kevin, of course, is just kind of smiling and puts the script down, and Paul Dini is wiping a tear out of his eye. And 
here's a guy who was there for every second of the 20-year run of that show. He's heard everything. He created Harley Quinn. And here we are. Uh, and all it took was Kevin to riff for two or three minutes. And it just brought him to tears. Um, it shows you the deep, deep connection that people have with certain characters. Um, and Kevin will be the first to say, as I did, we don't draw them and we don't write them. But man, when the voice works, it is permanent. It sears itself in your soul. And it sounds a little bit dramatic, but Jesus, it is dramatic. Yeah. It's, it's nothing short of that. Your boy, when you're my age and you guys are talking, there are going to be things that he recounts that you guys did together, some of which may be cartoons. And it will, it will bring you to tears and because it reminds you of so many different things, not the least of which is an important time that you uh, connected with together. And it, it's just part of that lineage. It gets, you know, Bugs is 80 years old now. And obviously, it's gone through, Bugs has gone through several iterations with the voice actors for obvious reasons. Yeah. But the ethos is the same. And it's just, it's remarkable. I, I, I have to tell you, having done this work for a long time, but in the event of social, with the advent of social media conventions, you know, the, the kiboshing on them now, we're doing COVID con 2020, but yeah. um, the, the the opportunity to travel around the world and meet people in person or speak with them like you um, instantly around the world, you know, online, whatever, really hits home to me. It shows me uh, often through tears how these characters have helped people not only just enjoy their lives or enjoy a memory or enjoy their childhood, but sometimes get them through their childhood. Oh yeah. Sometimes heal them through their parents' divorce, um, the loss of a sibling, the loss of a parent. Um, you know, taking these DVDs of Turtles or Batman or or uh, Family Guy or Simpsons with them when they do two or three tours of duty in the Middle East, and and they'll come, they'll find their way to Maurice and me, stand in line for half an hour to talk to Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> and then they start to tear up because they recount how important Pinky and the Brain was to them while they were in Afghanistan. I, I, I don't even know how to tell you what that means to me. Well, um, go ahead. It's mind-blowing. Um, it's so... Look, I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is better. But all of the stuff that culminates in in the response that you get, or that I get rather, from you when I do a character or Kevin or Mark or whatever, um, it's not about money. It's not about ratings. It's not about an action figure. It's not about an autograph. It is about a pure human connection to something that uh, is, is uniquely human. And I just, I, I cannot get enough of it. And it's, uh, it is a, a real gas to be at this stage of my life um, because I can work every day, but I'm old enough to see how these characters affected people. And my goodness, uh, talk about a lottery winner. It's, it's mind blowing. Well, I mean, like, like I said, it was, it's the same for us. You know, I can attest to, 
you know, being, I did three deployments. I was ever, I was never boots on the ground. I was a Navy guy. Um, you know, so being separated from my wife and my son for so long, first, you know, first four years of his life, I was in and out because of consistent deployments, um, changing commands, you know, but there was always a consistent, you know, this is back, shit, 12, 12, no, what what year is it? 20, 2020 feels like two years and I really feel like it should go down as two or three years in the books. Oh my God. Um, right, it's taking that much of a toll on us. Yeah, it's it's such a bullshit year. I mean, yeah, it just, <laughs> I mean, it could Brutal. it could always get worse. And knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't. I think yeah. I think this year has taken enough from everybody. Um, yeah, sure. But but I can sit here and say how many times I've popped in, you know, Ninja Turtles DVD. I've popped in Pinky and the Brain. We would sit on the couch, you know, in our little rooms after hours, and we would just sit there and be in tears by an episode of Pinky the Brain that we've seen hundreds and hundreds of times before or even showing people it was always fun showing people from different countries that have never seen this show and then seeing that first looking at somebody that has a reaction that you might have had or you did have as a child you know it was fascinating and then cartoons it's utterly fascinating cartoons Um, with you guys have, have just done that I mean how 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 do you, ah, man, I can't even think on how to, how to say that. Um, how, how do you guys sit here and take, cause you said you don't draw them, you don't animate them. How do right. you see a voice in your head when you get a character? Well, fortunately there are people who do draw and, you know, animate. And so what happens is they present, uh, the actor, um, even at the audition stage with, couple of different angles on a particular character, happy, sad, you know, conversational, et cetera, et cetera. And generally uh, a little bit of information about how the characters interact with others in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get some stuff with which to audition, different dialogue. Um, and so obviously the, the uh, visuals inform the actor's choices. Then once you get the gig, that's when the fun begins because you get to really hone the character and work with producers, writers, animators. Um, a perfect example. Well, they're all they all morph a little, especially if you're lucky enough to get picked up for a few seasons, because then you kind of find your stride, and and animators begin to animate to the choices that the actors make over and over again to to make the characters authentic and organic. Um, but a great example of when it really works to me is we were talking about Carl Weezer. That little guy has generated so many memes. Yeah, he has. <laughs> there's just something about about that little guy with his lazy L <laughs> and the fact that he loves mamas and Jimmy's mom and croissants. And, um, <laughs> yeah, look what happens to you. But you don't see me. You've probably seen a picture of me, but you immediately go to what Carl looks like. Oh, yeah. You immediately, in your mind... You see Carl frickin' Weezer, not Rob Paulson. And that's exactly the way it should be. Um, I, I just love that part of the medium. medium. Um, as I said earlier, it's not hyperbole. It is magical. Um, and when it works, like with Carl, uh, I'm good at my job. I'm good at inhabiting a character no better than... The people we've discussed, Corey Burton, Tress McNeil, Nancy Cartwright, Danny Castellaneta, 
Hank Azaria, they're all wonderful. But when they start to riff in character without a script and it's authentic and you start saying things as Pinky or Yakko or Arthur from The Tick that Rob wouldn't say and they're consistent with the way that the character is scripted, then you really got something. And the animators do the same thing. They start to see idiosyncrasies in the actors and they animate to work with that. And then you really got something. Jimmy Neutron hasn't had a new episode for, I don't know, 16 years or and something. That's a shame. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Well, thank you. And who knows? You know, we're doing Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain again with Mr. Spielberg. Maybe, maybe Nickelodeon will decide to do Jimmy Neutron again. Who knows? But um, the point is, even without a new episode, I just joined TikTok a couple of weeks ago. And I knew that TikTok had, I don't even know how many different versions of people saying, are you going to finish that croissant? <laughs> because they, it's just become this wacky meme. So I joined, and the first post I put was, this, you know, hi, it's me, and I'm really Carl Weezer, and I did my little thing. Overnight, it got a million views. Overnight. That's insane. Uh, it is insane. What's so gloriously insane about it is everybody who watched it watched it more than once and shared it, and all it did was make everybody happy. I mean, it's just, not just happy, I mean, palpably joyful. And a number of these kids were 12, 13, 15, people who never would have seen the originals when they were released. Oh, yeah. It didn't matter. You know? it. It's just remarkable and i know i sound maybe to your younger listeners a little bit like well yeah dude that's the way it works well i've been on the rock for you know 60 plus years so this is all relatively new to me mm -hmm. but what isn't new is the fact that everybody likes to laugh i don't care where you live i don't care what your sexual predisposition is i don't care what your nationality is i don't care if you're black white asian hispanic gay straight latvian russian you know argentinian everybody loves to laugh i don't care if you're a world-class nobel prize winning physicist or a young man or woman on the autism spectrum for whom buying a slurpee will be a challenge yeah but once once the shiny object hits all of us whether it's Bart Simpson or Mickey Mouse or Pinky. We all share the same joy. And it is it, it, it blows my mind. I, I, I keep saying that, but it does because it is it, it's just the reason that we have to keep pushing. The reason we have to get through the bullshit that's all over us right now, all over the world. It's that it's it's bigger than cartoons. It is literally the spark of the human spirit that makes people want to get up the next goddamn day. Yeah. And I, 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 and whether it's sports or joy or music, there's something about creativity that is utterly human, and it inspires people to move through their junk to find the joy in their lives. And it is very important. It's really important. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always nice to sit there and 
you know, be able to veg out, disconnect, and just watch something that not only makes you feel like a kid again, but makes you feel like, oh, man, you know, I forgot about getting fired. I forgot about a flat tire, you know? So it's it's something that you're saying that it just resonates so well. Um, When, what character do you think, every character you've done it, at least, what character do you think more people resonate with? Do you think it's Yakko or Pinky or Carl or... Who do you get asked about I, most? I, I probably turtle simply because it's been a fixture in the culture, the culture of the world now for you know arguably well twenty five, close to thirty years. Mm-hmm. I could argue that there are places I don't you know have any empirical data to support my theory, but I could make a, a, a I think a serious argument that there might be places on the planet I could go, or someone else could go, and if you ask. A hundred people, did they know who Brad Pitt is? Most of them would say yes. But all of them arguably would say Ninja Turtles? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, whether it's in Hungarian or Filipino. Um, it, it is that big. Same with um, Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Same with Bart Simpson. Batman, um, Coca-Cola. Batman, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The national recognition. Um, totally. Um, and I have to say that Raphael is not dissimilar to my own vibe because I'm a bit of a smart ass. Um, <laughs> and I, I, uh, rely on my wit to get me work and it, it's served me really well. And I've cultivated it. I've been surrounded by people way better at it than I, Phil Hartman, Paul Rubens, Tracy, I mean, uh, Tress McNeil and, and, um, Maurice LaMarche and Welker and Billy DiMaggio, people who are all so smart, and and they made me raise my game. Um, so I think uh, that probably is the one, simply because of its inarguably iconic status around the world. Um, however, Yakko is a big deal because of the music. Um, I was a singer before I became an actor, and. Um, I lived the axiom, uh, these are the animaniacs, Mm -hmm. um, that luck is when opportunity meets preparation because I I love to sing and I would sing and create characters for no other reason than it just made my soul happy, you know, when I was 9, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, and I just dug it, and then I would record them and keep them and drag them out and use them again, just for fun. and here I am all of a sudden at 36 years old auditioning for a show with Steven Spielberg and there would be, you know, a song at every half hour and I'm going to be the lead and can I sing in character? And turns out I can. <laughs> and, um, man, I don't even know how many times people have wanted me to sing United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama. <laughs> and it's a goddamn amazing two and a half minute piece of brilliant American art. It, it is. It's a gloriously brilliant, concise, smart cartoon. Oh, um, hands anybody down. who watches it, yeah, anybody who watches it, regardless of the fact that it's in English, uh, their mouths just, the first time they see it, they go, oh my God, <laughs> how did that happen? Um, and I'm a, I'm a good singer, but I live in Hollywood, Julian. 
you can throw a dart and hit a good singer here. What you can't do is throw a dart and hit somebody who can write that stuff. Yeah. Um, Randy Rogel, still, to this day, is a better writer now than he was when he wrote that song 30 years ago or 25 years ago. Um, and it was one of the reasons that Mr. Spielberg decided to call Maurice LaMarche and Randy and myself and Tress McNeil and Jess Harnell and say, hey, you guys want to do this again? I mean, when the King of Hollywood at 73 years old calls up a bunch of rank-and-file actors, none of us are movie stars. The characters are stars. But Stephen is sort of the world's most famous geek. He understands the nature of celebrity and that even though he could call Liam Neeson to be the brain, it's not about that. It's about the authenticity of the characters. And if Maurice and I can still do the brain and pinky respectively, he'd be an idiot <laughs> to not hire us. Yeah. And, and I, I'm telling you, I've seen the new stuff. Oh my God. It's, I don't even, it's freaking amazing. I, um, I, I can't wait to see it. Oh, I mean, uh, is me it, neither. Me is, neither. is it, I usually save this type of stuff for the end. Um, because I always reach out on social media to a whole bunch of different groups and whoever I'm interviewing, I always say, Hey, if you could ask insert name here, we're talking to Rob Paulson today. So we're going to say, Hey, if you could ask Rob any one question, like I said, usually leave it for the end, but I want to ask this one now. Cause I think I end up forgetting, um, when <laughs> a listener by the name of Sam, I can't pronounce his last name. So I'm sorry, Sam wanted to know. Did you ever pass out doing that song? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, as I said, I was a trained singer before I moved to L.A., and um, I did not. Um, I'll tell you what we did do, though, is we did it in one take. And, um, That's insane. Yeah, they, we did two takes, and the one that you grew up and Sam grew up listening to, and the one that's got, I don't know, 50 million views online, um, it was the first take, and that's what uh, the producer, Tom Ruger, uh, mm -hmm. chose to use. Um, but again, uh, it, it, it sounds more impressive than it is uh, in terms of my part of it. Um, I had a week to work on it. Uh, I had the music in front of me. And the way the song is constructed, the way the song is composed, is just brilliant. Um and so I was not the least bit nervous. I was excited. It was the first song I recorded for Animaniacs. And I remember bringing it home in the house we're in now, um, working on it. And I had my headphones in and listening to a cassette, C-A-S-S-E-T-T-E. -S -S -E. Thank you very much. Um, and my wife said, what is that? And I said, check this out. And I showed her the music. I said, this is pretty much every country in the world and it's rhymed and she said who wrote that and I said this guy named Randy Rogel um, but here's a little inside baseball that I love to tell about that song because as I said it's the first song that Randy wrote Brandon Maniacs and the first song that I, I recorded Brandon Maniacs and right out of the shoot it, it became you know a classic um, but here's the deal Randy Rogel is the single most overachieving human I've ever had the great good fortune, <laughs> privilege to, to have in my circle. West Point grad, 
Then he went to uh, Boston College, Boston University, another degree, I think in international finance, whatever. Um, then he goes to work in corporate America, making a nice six-figure income after he's done serving the country uh, as a lieutenant. And his whole background before West Point was musical comedy, theater, writing, uh, just a really talented guy uh, in terms of his performance uh, acumen. Um, Does he sleep? He, he pretty much, well, when he's dead, he says, <laughs> someday. But So he's working up the coast for Procter & Gamble in uh, Seattle, I believe. And the, 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 the pull, the lure of Hollywood was too much for him. He's making six figures at whatever, 28, 30 years old, and says, I got to go try this. I'm not, you know, I got to, I, I will never know if I don't try it. He goes down to Hollywood, bangs around for a while, got a bunch of spec scripts, lands a gig writing for Batman, the animated series. Um, Alan Burnett hires him. They're still best friends to this day, a lot, and as with me too. And he wins an Emmy his first year writing for Batman. Jesus Christ. Then he hears about <laughs> Tom Ruger, the creator of Tiny Toon Adventures, and Steven Spielberg are going to do a new show from a clean sheet of paper, musical variety show called Animaniacs. All about music. 35-piece orchestra every half hour. Um, original songs for every half hour. So Randy says, oh my God, that's what I'm about, and bangs on the door. And of course, everybody at Batman says, what the hell's the matter with you? Just keep writing and winning Emmys. We're going to pay you more money. He says, no, no, I, I know, but I, I'm not just a drama guy. So... Check this out, folks. Finally, Tom Ruger says, all right, write me a spec song and come on in next week and play it for me on my little piano in my office here. So Randy walks in and, folks, the, the song he had for his audition piece was Yakko's World. Jesus Christ. That's Yes, exactly. That's what he had in his back pocket. And it just got better and better and better from there. And now... Randy and I, when we don't have COVID, we take the music of Animaniacs around the country and do Animaniacs in concert. And now Randy has written a handful of songs for the new show. And he's better now than he was 25 years ago. It's typical of artists who, um, or athletes, sadly athletes can't do what painters or magicians or actors or singers can do. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're done by the time they're, if they're lucky, they go to 35 or Tom Brady's case, you know, 43. That's rare. Yeah. But songwriters, uh, authors, you see my point. Oh, Paul yeah. Newman said, Paul Newman said that he died, I think about 80, but he said, you know what, as an actor, I don't think I really started to get it till I was about 70. And, and that's great news for people like me and people who are in their forties. Um, but Randy is just like that. He never stops. It's all about polishing the diamond. It's all about not resting on your laurels. David Copperfield is the same way. He's the same age as I. And when he's you know doing a show and he can in Vegas, he does 15 shows a week. <laughs> the guy's worth a billion, literally a billion dollars. It's not about that. It's about how do I blow people's minds and my own at the same time. What have I not done yet? 
and that's and Steven Spielberg, same thing. It's that innovative so gene. To have, yeah, to have those people in my life, and to be able to emulate them and see how they move through their lives, I have a master class in 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 uh, the nature of of how a Hollywood legend gets older and how they move through their lives. I get to see it firsthand. And it, it's it's extraordinary. All of the people I mentioned at that level have uh, this undeniable, not only spirit of creativity that transcends money, age, social status, all that, but they have a grace about them that is palpable. Um, they're really, seriously, Julian, really decent kind, nice people. They understand how powerful they are. And they understand that if they say something the wrong way or look at someone the wrong way, even if it wasn't intended to be harmful, it can be construed that way. So they they, they understand the power of, of their own, um, the, the responsibility of their own power. Yeah. And so they make it about you they inevitably take the time to discuss uh whatever it is a new movie an oscar whatever they've done but they make it about the person speaking to them because they treat them uh as though they are important they are as important as the person to whom they're speaking perceives them to be um it's the same with gordy howe al kaline people I got to know that were my heroes, sports heroes, they all share that incredible sense of responsibility for their own power. Um, and it makes people do, you know, just want to work with them. And then they, they go out of their way to work really hard. And, and then that informs the genius of a guy like Steven because part of his genius is knowing whom to hire and turning them loose. And because he knows that he commands that kind of respect and he doesn't have to ask for it. Uh, it's remarkable to watch. Um, and it is, it is innate in, in all the great people I've had the good fortune of meeting. Uh, it's, it's a great thing to watch. It's, it's incredible. Well, I mean, I, just hearing all of these people that I've just watched, I mean, Steven Spielberg, you know, right off the bat, knocks it out of the park with Jaws. I mean, I, I think he had had um, either one movie or one. It's been a, I'm a little rusty on my Spielberg knowledge. You know, they had a podcast well, on did, Jaws. Yeah, he did Sugarland Express, and he had done an episode of Night Gallery. He did a TV movie with Dennis um, Weaver called Duel. That was a, Watch that, kids. It's a movie about a guy who's driving a car, and he somehow gets in front of an 18-wheeler on a road at and the 18-wheeler starts forcing him off the road. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant. I mean, just unbelievable. And he directed Jaws at, I don't know, what was it, 28 years old or something Yeah, I, like don't even think, I don't even think he was close to 30 at that point. I mean, it's yeah. when you talk about overachievers, Steven oh, Spielberg geez. is up. I mean, like that's my kid's favorite. Jaws is my kid's favorite. And living in Florida, you would think, you know, it scared the hell out of my younger brother. He wouldn't, right. sit, he wouldn't sit on a toilet. He wouldn't take a bath. He had the door open and he had the curtains open. He was like, "You watching me, mommy? That? You watching me?" 
you know, and then, yeah. you know, flash forward 20 years, my kid sees this movie for the first time. We were a little, you know, iffy, my wife more than me, um, you know, sure. reasonably so, you know, doesn't want to get him nightmares or anything like that, but oh my he God, no. loved and the and sharks. You know what? What, what's so great about it is it's timeless. We all know it looks like, you know, there are scenes when it looks like a fake shark. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, Julian. Nope. It doesn't matter. That is when you know, you know, it, it, his art, his artistry, and others, Bob Zemeckis, um, uh, obviously uh, Alfred Hitchcock, mm-hmm. you know, Stanley Kubrick, on and on and on and on and on. It, the, it, it, irrespective of the time when some movies are made, they are utterly timeless. Oh, yeah. And, and it, Jaws is a perfect example. Perfect example. Um, and that's what makes Mr. Spielberg so unique. Um, there are a handful of people who have that ability to be prescient enough to do a piece of art that is not only enjoyable and relevant in the time in which it was made or the times it reflects its, you know, era, Saving Private Ryan, um, War Horse, you know. But the artistry is such that it doesn't matter. I can watch Mr. Smith Goes to Washington now and it's, what is it, 70 years old, 60 years old? Who cares? Yeah. It's, it's Frank Kappa, man. <laughs> and it, it's, it, it just, as they say, it is what it is. And it's not an accident. Once it happens over and over again, not all of them are going to be knocked out of the park. But it's not an accident when it happens in your 30s, and your 40s, and your 50s, and your 60s, and your 70s. You know, David Lean directed The English Patient when he was 80-something. Mm-hmm. Shut up! You know, it's, <laughs> it's... And that's what the good news is for performers and for creators. It stops only when you want to stop or when you die. That's yeah. it. Well, it's, and I, I'm so grateful. It, it's it's crazy that you never know when you're gonna hit. I mean, I'm a pretty big stand-up comedian fan, and Rodney Dangerfield has always been in my top uh, five. And what he God didn't, bless you. he didn't hit it until what 52, 53, when he brought yeah, that whole no fact, no respect line. I mean, it was oh geez, amazing. Yeah. Um, um, in fact, um, uh, my my buddy the bang, my dear brother Maurice Marsh. <laughs> Uh, and Sam Kinison, um, they all uh, were on Rodney Dangerfield's Young Comedian Special. Yep. And uh, they used to open for Rodney on the road. Um, they would be, you know, Maurice and Sam would open for Rodney. Uh, a couple other guys, too, I think, were on the show. But here's here's how classy Rodney was. Um, Maurice has recounted the story more than once in which... Um, uh, Maurice was opening for Rodney at Caesars and Maurice had brought his folks in from Toronto uh, to see him opening, you know, that's at Caesars, man, on on the Las Vegas Strip with Rodney. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Maurice gets to his dressing room the opening night and um, Rodney's, you know, yelling at somebody on the phone and it was unusual. Rodney was not, according to Maurice, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting him. I got to see him a few times, you know, in concert. But Mo was with him for a year. Um, actually, more than a year. Every day. And it was unusual for him to be so bent out of shape. 
And what Rodney was yelling at was the the whomever the producer or the whomever the person responsible for the marquee was, because Maurice's name wasn't on it. <laughs> That's classic. And, and he was just like, yeah, he was just like, wait a minute, God damn it, this kid has worked his ass off. He's flown his fucking parents out. Oops, sorry. No, you're fine. No, you're um, you're perfectly fine. His word. He's flown his effing parents out here. You get his name on that goddamn marquee, or I'm not going on. Now, that tells you all you need to know. Oh, yeah. About the, the work ethic of a guy like Rodney, or his real name was Roy. Um, I forgot. Jacob, Roy something. J- Jacob Cohen? Jake Ro- Jacob Roy, I think. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Jake Jake Roy or something. Something like that. Yeah, yeah Jack Roy. Jack Roy. Yeah, Jake- Jack Roy, Jack Roy, thank you. Yeah, Jacob Cohen was his birth name, but Jack Roy, thank you, yeah. Um, But you see my point. And now, the number of times that I've seen Maurice LaMarche, not angry, but, um, what's the word I'm looking for, but, but, unhappy, uh, focused. Okay. Yeah, and saying, no, 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 no. This person was in line first, or, no, no, no! Don't shut the line down. Yeah, but you got to catch a plane. Well, we'll catch a later plane. We still got thirty people here, and and the reason they're still in line is because I have spoken maybe a little bit too long to the people in front of the line. Yeah. Because they deserve they deserve you know my attention, and the next thirty folks do as well. You think for one freaking minute I'm going to send them home without their brain autograph? Of course not. Well, I'll get another plane. And, and I've seen it, I don't care, time and time, and not just from Maurice, um, but Mo learned. And when you are able to see, as I said earlier, how people who could behave any way they want and get away with it, but they choose to be kind, thoughtful, giving, um, empathic, you just learn, oh my God, if you're lucky enough to cultivate anything resembling celebrity, hot shot that's how you behave and mo is is the real deal because of guys like rodney it, it's funny we were you mentioned sam kinnison and you know he he cracks my top 10 uh as far as all-time comedians go but oh, yeah. i didn't i didn't know he was a comedian like when i was younger you know i was pretty much left to my own devices watch cartoons tv you know i was real i don't want to say a latchkey kid but i didn't spend you know, as much time as the kids spend inside these days, because between sure. basketball and friends and, you know, just doing yeah. stuff, you just, you never were home, you know. But I remember sitting in my uh, stepfather, Pete, um, or ex-stepfather, I guess. I don't know what they're really called um, at this point. <laughs> but uh, he had this huge movie collection. And uh, this is where I saw my first Steven Seagal movie. And I saw my first Rodney Dangerfield movie, which started out as Ladybugs. And then it had uh, went to, what was it, Back to School, I think was his, uh, yeah, Back to School oh, yeah. was his other big one. And that's where I saw Sam uh-huh. Kennison for the first time as his uh, as his teacher. I think he was, um, oh shit, what kind of teacher was he? Uh, he was just a professor. I can't remember what it, what the class was, but I just remember him going yeah. like, oh my God, this dude is hilarious. Find out, you know, that he's a comedian. And then shortly after I find out that he's been, you know, sadly dead drunk driver uh, hit him and killed him you know years after so it was like ah you know Rodney hit it at 53 this dude was just starting to come into his own he was just starting to be him and then it was just lights out you know no more sure 
you know, and it's it's crazy no, it's seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, Mo, um, we did an episode of Pinky in the Brain, and we had to do it the day of Sam's funeral. Yeah. And I remember Mo coming in after the funeral, and typical pro, you know, it was broken-hearted. They were very close. But, man, when it came time to be the brain, he just laid it down, and nobody was any the wiser, even though we are all, you know, trying to trying to help him yeah. deal with it. Uh, but, man, what a pro. As soon as the first take fired up, he killed it. Just like he would have done on, you know, on a live stand-up gig. Yeah. Um, I, the professionalism of the people who are my personal friends um, transcends show business. They would be like that if they owned a Subway franchise. You know, they're just decent, hardworking, thoughtful, kind people who just happen to be the most talented humans that have ever drawn a breath. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's crazy what real... You know, I always say it comes down not so much to the mom or the dad. It's collective. You know, it, it's it's putting in those, building a house, laying that foundation. Yeah. You know, just to be a good human being, a good person, laying exactly that foundation. Right. You know, it's so nice exactly to see right, that it's, it's all over the place. And in the places you don't expect it. Because you always hear horror stories. You know, I've, I've had a couple, not with so much as celebrities, but, I mean, I guess they're celebrities, but sports athletes and stuff like that, or comic book writers. Right. You know, so it is a breath of fresh air seeing people at the top of that list or the top of the food chain, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, just raised right at the end of the day. You know, or cares. You know, it's always yeah. always nice seeing you get that person you're, you're you're interviewing you're talking to might not remember you a year from now, but you will never forget that one time you got to talk to inner name here. Um, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely right. And I remember because my sports hero growing up in Michigan was Gordie Howe and I played hockey still go around and bang around with my buddies every now and then but I had the great good fortune of getting to know Mr. and Mrs. Howe very well playing in celebrity charity hockey games and um, I remember Gordie went from being my idol as a sports guy to my hero in five seconds um, I was sitting next to him at a charity softball, uh, it was a part of a charity softball event up in Vancouver uh, one summer, and um, I was there signing Ninja Turtle stuff to all the kids, and he was signing everything that wasn't nailed down. You know, it was a national <laughs> treasure. Um, and I'll never forget this, Julian. A young man came up, he'd been waiting in line for an hour to get Gordy's autograph. And Gordy at that time was about 65. Um, probably signed literally a million autographs by that time in his life. Um, and the young man gave him the puck. Gordy signed it. And he said, thank you so much, Mr. Howe. <laughs> Your hand must be getting really tired. And Gordy said the following, and it has been the, the, uh, my mantra since then. He put his Sharpie down. He looked at that young man. He said, it's my pleasure, son. I've worked too hard for this privilege. Yeah. And I mean... Exactly what I'm doing now. I just thought, oh my goodness, here's Gordy Howe, Wayne Gretzky's idol, and and you know the hockey player's hockey player, um, uh, and he still treats his uh, profound celebrity the way he would because he's a Saskatchewan farm boy, and I, I, I will never ever forget that 
because what you're kind enough to do with me today, Julian, is a privilege. You're talking to me because you're interested in what I have to say because I've been paid really well to do what used to get me in trouble in seventh grade. <laughs> and, and it is a privilege. None of, none of this should be taken for granted. Um, so, you know, I, 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 when these opportunities come up to, to shine light on how great, truly great people are, and you get to see a little inside baseball about why they're so great, it often has nothing to do with their art. Their art is their expression of creativity, but they're just excellent humans. And um, it's important for people to know that. I couldn't say it. it like I said, it, it's so refreshing, right? Because we've all had that, that brush with, with somebody that just, ah, man, let the bad taste in your mouth. They always say, never meet your heroes. Always. You know? Oh, yeah. But the way I look at it, I'm batting at least 98%. I've only met like one oh, or yeah. two people, and maybe they just had a bad. I've I've had bad days, you know, and I'm of course. I'm nothing compared to, you know, say like a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan where he's getting asked left and right for Every this, day. that, you know. So right. I I put that into one of those categories where like, meh, maybe the next time when we talk, you know, maybe he'll have had a coffee. Of course. Maybe he'll have had a hot dog for lunch. Maybe he was a little parched or hungry, you know. But Yep. You know, that's neither here nor there, you know, but it, it, it's always nice when you get to meet a hero and then Absolutely. you feel like a kid again or you feel like, oh, shit, I haven't missed a beat or he hasn't missed a beat or she hasn't missed a beat. So, you know, it's always right. nice seeing that. And you said that's Gordy exactly Howe right. was your hero. Do you have any other guys when you were growing up that was like, oh, man, it was this guy is like at the top of my list that, that he's just my guy or a girl? Oh, yeah, well. Performance-wise, Peter Sellers, um, Jonathan Winters, whom I got to work with half a dozen times, just mind-blowing, um, completely tweaked, but um, just an incredible gift. Um, uh, Al Kaline, the Detroit Tigers, um, lots of hockey players. Bobby Orr mm -hmm. from the Boston Bruins, I got to meet him a couple times. Exactly the same vibe uh, as Gordy. Just it's about you. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, so many performers, many of whom I got to work with now, but honestly, a lot of my heroes have turned out to be my friends. Frank Welker um, is one of them. Billy West, Maurice LaMarche, Tress McNeil I've known since she was a cocktail waitress <laughs> and hadn't even had a job. And now she is the most prolific voice actress in the history of Hollywood. Um, and she gets better every Hey, Mark Hamill. I saw Star Wars long before I knew him. And, uh, it, 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 you know, the times he come to my kid's birthday party or, or write a lovely blurb from my book, um, just really genuine. He and his wife, Mary Lou. Um, so many of my showbiz heroes are people with whom I've uh, grown up. Yeah. And I get to see them. I've watched their stars rise, and I see how they behave, just like Steven, just like Gordy, just like uh, uh, Jack Nicholas, um, other great, Terry Ellis is a great friend, and he's so damn freaking handsome, it's <laughs> off-putting, but he's just the kindest, sweetest, most genuine, effusive guy, and and I get to watch how these people move through their lives. And they, they're great for a reason. And it ain't just about their talent. 
Yeah, I mean, I couldn't say it any better than what you said. It now we are reaching the end of the time, uh, okay. end of our time, because uh, I don't want to keep you up too long. I know we're going a little bit over uh, that hour no allotted, but there is two things, three things really that I want to hit on. Uh, you have a book come out, your memoir. It's called Voice Lessons. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I can. Uh, four years ago at this time, I was uh, recovering from stage three throat cancer. Um, and fortunately, I had, I have a remarkable wife and son who, and daughter-in-law who knew precisely before I did what to do to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, cured. The treatment was brutal. I knew it would be, but I'm fine. Um, and the book is not a compendium of, and then I did, and then I won an Emmy, and then I won a Peabody, and then I, you know me from, um, I, I didn't want to write that. Um, the last thing the world needs is another celebrity memoir from a non-celebrity. Yeah. And again, it's not false modesty. The characters are famous. But once I had throat cancer, I had a much more important story to tell. And, um, that's what the book is about. It, it really is. Uh, 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 an excellent example of the power of joy and kindness and empathy and and um, courage and how I've learned through other children whom I who all these characters have spoken to when they were undergoing debilitating diseases and many of these children have not made it and their parents kept in touch with me and reminded me of all this joy and courage that was inside of me and the guise of these characters and um, it's an important story, um, and it, it illustrates what we've been talking about and what you've been kind enough for me to, to share with your audience. Um, so it's, it's an important book in that regard. Uh, it's not ever going to be a New York Times bestseller list, but as a result of uh, the success of all these characters and the fact that the voice behind them had throat cancer makes for a pretty interesting story. And the fact that I'm back doing it now at a high level with the King of Hollywood after, you know, uh, 35 or 40 consecutive days of radiation and chemotherapy and losing 50 pounds and not being able to taste food anymore and all of that. But I'm back. That's the story. Um, and, and, and how that relates to other people who may hear that story just like I did and say, you know what, I can handle this, because so-and-so, this young man or woman who didn't make it, but their courage in dealing with the end of their lives and their parents dealing with the aftermath of that and reminding me of of my part, or rather Yakko's or Raphael's or Donatello's part in it, that's the story. And and so the book is is very, is is a really important thing for me. I appreciate you bringing it up. Oh, no, that's not a problem. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, you, you kind of censored yourself a little while ago when you dropped an F-bomb, but fuck cancer, really. I mean, <laughs> Thank you. I have, Thank you. I, I had a sister that had breast cancer. She luckily beat it a few years. Well, it's 2020. I, like I said, it keeps feeling like this is two, three years this, this fucking yeah. year. But, it, you know, she beat it, you know, a few years back, which we're, we were super excited. It was the scariest God time you know, uh, of our lives, because yeah. we've had so many people that we've known, whether it be friends, family, friends of family, that type uh. of thing, that have just, just, you know, went away with this disease, you know, it's such a, sure. such a shitty disease, and it's, yeah. you've got such an amazing way of looking at this, I would have been, you know, bitter, how can you give the guy 
that everybody knows their voice. There's two people that come to mind. Rob Paulson gets throat cancer. Luckily, I'm so happy you beat it. And then you give, if you're a wrestling fan, you know, comic books and everything like that generally go hand in hand with wrestlers because that's what comic books are. And that's what wrestlers are. They're superhero people, but in real life, you know, and then a, a, a great, probably top four, top five greatest wrestler of all time, Bobby the Brain Heenan. You know, he's succumbed to brain cancer. I think it's been three, four years now at this point, you know, and it's, he was the greatest talker of all time in wrestling. And yeah. To give the greatest voice, in in my opinion, in cartoon history, you go through 50, 60, 100 years, whatever it is from now, there's never going to be another Rob Paulson, man. I cannot oh, thank you Robert. enough for doing this. I do know that you are working. I don't know if it's so much a spokesperson or if you are the, uh, what's the word, what's a better word than spokesperson, or the face. I'm the, of, I'm the spokestune, yeah, I'm the spokestune for uh, the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance. Thank you for bringing that up, Julian. Oh, no problem. Uh, headandneck.org. Um, I was fortunate enough to be tapped to be the uh, spokesperson this year. Um, and, uh, the, you know, it's, uh, I had some big shoes to fill. Uh, another throat cancer survivor and absolute hero who had dealt with it and was a spokesperson before me, Jim Kelly, the Hall of Fame quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, yeah. um, who really took a pounding from the same type of cancer. Uh, but man, yeah, we know he's got a gun for an arm. We know why he's in the hall. But his his heroism is not about football. You should see this badass guy who's lost all this weight, had, had the part of his, you know, the roof of his mouth removed, um, and stands up there in front of anybody who wants to hear it, talking about what it takes to get through cancer and how powerful these young children, men and women are, um, who are getting the daylight speed out of them. Yeah. But they, they get up every day. And and that's why Jim Kelly's a hero. Uh, and so I am thrilled to be in that, uh, uh, have that same gig this year. And folks can learn an awful lot about HPV-related throat cancer and head and neck cancer if they go to headandneck.org. And um, it's it can be devastating, but it's very treatable very treatable and now they're uh, now um, um, uh, there are uh, vaccines uh, available for both young men and young women uh, that are preventative vaccines against this type of cancer so not only will they not contract it they won't have to go through a pretty brutal treatment which right now is the gold standard but trust me if you don't have to go through it you don't want it yeah. And so um, please go and check out uh, um, headandneck.org and Gardasil, uh, the vaccine for young men and women to prevent them from contracting HPV-related uh, head and neck cancers in their in their later lives. It's uh, definitely worth a look. Yes, sir. I mean, I, we're going to wrap it up. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to wrap it up here. Like I said, sir, you've been such an inspiration, you know, since like a 31 years old and I can name you just off the top of my head five or six characters that will be with me for I will forget so much shit by the time I get to however old I get. But I will never ever forget Raphael Donatello. I'll never I will never forget Carl Weezer and his love for croissants. I will never ever <laughs> I will never forget it. And I can't thank you enough. Um, you can find Mr. Paulson over at yeah, on Twitter at Yakko Pinky. 
Um, I, is it just Rob underscore Paulson for Instagram? That's correct. Rob underscore P-A-U-L-S-E-N. And as you said, at Yakko Pinky, one word, Y-A-K-K-O-P-I-N-K-Y. Um, and uh, Rob Paulson 311 on TikTok. That's my birthday. Rob Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-E-N 311 on TikTok. And Rob Paulson voice actor on uh, Facebook. Well, that's all the place. If you guys are not following them yet, what the hell are you waiting for? Thanks again for checking out the What's In My Head podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.